We take a closer look inside the Big Ten with Ben Kerchival of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Kerchival. And Ben, did Penn State's performance on both sides of the ball not only cement its status as a playoff contender right now, but also be a real threat to Alabama? Absolutely. So they're they're doing all the things that think you need to compete against Alabama. And that's the benchmark team at this point, right? That's the team everyone's going up against. That's who you're measuring yourself against. So defensively, Great D-line play, just a shutdown group. And Michigan's offense is, is hot garbage at this point. But you got to go out and take care of your business all the same, and they did that. And then offensively, we know it's the Saquon Barkley show, but they do two things really well. One, they find creative ways of getting him the ball. It's not just we're going to run ISO right, ISO left with him 40 times a game, and, and hopefully that works. They get him the ball as a receiver, they do that uh, 15 times a, a, this season in the first quarter alone. He has 32 receptions. 15 of those are in the first quarter. So they figure out ways to get him in open space early. It's worked really well for them. They're outscoring opponents 90-0 to zero in the first quarter. Obviously, Tracy McSorley is a great dual threat quarterback. And then you go down the field with Gusecki at tight end. They are winning a lot of 50-50 balls down the field. So, they're just doing a lot of things really well, and they're very creative. So it's hard for defenses to key in on exactly what they're going to do. So creative offense, stout defense, that's a recipe for a contender. Which team has more of an edge today? Penn State, after winning the Big Ten title last year with a win over Ohio State and not going to the playoffs, or Ohio State losing to Penn State and going to the playoffs? Oh, well, that's what happened last season. So I guess I'd, I guess I would have to probably – go with the latter since it now appears that you don't have to necessarily be a conference champion uh, to, to go to the playoffs. But I don't know that either situation is, is very likely. But I will say this, Ohio State, very good off of buys, 21. Uh, excuse me, uh, Urban Meyer is very good off of buys, 21-1. and one, And over the course of his career, his only loss is at Bowling Green. So I, I would actually say that Ohio State has a very good edge today. How do the Buckeyes prevent Penn State from getting off to the quick starts that they've liked to get off to this year today? It's tough. You've got to be very good up front with their defensive line. Thankfully, that's where Ohio State's strength is. They're so good that in those third and long situations, they can just put four defensive ends on the field and they just run this incredible rush package. So you have to be very, very good up front. Defenses have actually done a pretty good job of keeping Saquon Barkley in check in the ground game over the past few weeks. Northwestern did a really good job just a few weeks ago. So I, I think Ohio State has the stout up front to get that done. It's really going to be up to kind of second level of the defense. Can the linebackers stay with him in open space as a route runner? Can they shut that down and prevent them from being as creative as they want to be? So I like what they have going on, up, going on up front. I think that second level of the defense is really going to be the key for the Buckeyes. Let's put on the draft hat for a moment, as I'm sure there are going to be lots of GMs and scouts on hand today. Who is the best NFL prospect that will be on the field today in Columbus? It's got to be Barkley. He's probably the most complete running back in, in college football. And right now in the NFL, what running backs are asked to do, they have to wear so many hats, and Barkley can wear all of them. You know, you go back to last season when Christian McCaffrey was going into the draft, and everyone was saying, well, his versatility is his biggest strength. Well, add that versatility to Barkley, but then put on a traditional power back's body, 5'11", 
230 pounds, but he has the, the shiftiness. He has the feet. He has the vision. He has the breakaway speed. But then you line him up outside. He can run routes. He can pass protect. He can, he can get those short yardage when you, when you need them. So he can do all of those things, and he can do them at a high level, but he has the body to endure the type of hits that he would get in the NFL. He's been very, very healthy over the past few years. So I, I think all of this bodes well for him. If you have a chance to take Barkley, I, I think he can be that Ezekiel Elliott type where he can come in, make an impact right away, and really be a franchise-changing player. No question, as we talk with Ben Kerchival of CBSSports.com, as we take a closer look inside the Big Ten, Wisconsin is in action right now, but are the Badgers getting a bad rap? I mean, this is a very similar team from a year ago that held up okay despite a tough schedule and now rolling with a softer schedule this time around. They are rolling. That's probably why no one's paying attention to them, because they're, they're going up against pretty easy competition week in and week out. But if anyone hasn't been paying attention to the Badgers, here are the cliff notes. That defense is absolutely for real. Up until a few weeks ago, they had been shutting out opponents in the second half. And that really says a lot, not just about how good they are, but about their mental fortitude. When you're going up against lesser competition, it can be easy to go, okay, final 30 minutes, we're up by 21 points. Let's kind of coast to the end here. But they've been doing a very good job of maintaining that edge. They have great depth on that side of the ball. They currently lead the nation with four pick sixes, so they're getting points uh, from that side of the ball as well. Offensively, Jonathan Taylor, we call him Jonathan Taylor touchdown. He's, a, he's that bell cow back for the Badgers. He's the guy who's really going to be carrying them, I think, to the Big Ten championship game. The one sort of Achilles heel for this team is obviously that, that passing offense. Alex Hornibrook, by this point, is a little bit more seasoned since he was asked to take over the offense a year ago. I still don't know if he's the quarterback that you want to say, okay, we need you to lead us to a game-winning victory here. But he gets the job done in terms of what he's asked to do. I think they need to be a little bit better with ball security. Overall, though, Wisconsin, a very solid team that they get to the Big Ten championship game. It's just one game. You're 0-0 all over. You know, Michigan State faces Northwestern today, Ben, and with back-to-back wins, is this Wildcats team more the one that many had expected to be tough in the preseason? This is probably my upset pick for the day, and I know the line's not very big, but Michigan State's number 16 in the country and, and Northwestern's unranked. So I mentioned a little bit earlier that Northwestern had done a very good job against Saquon Barkley just a few weeks ago in containing him. They were really keyed in on him. It doesn't show up in that 31-7 loss, but that part they did a very good job defensively. So I think they match up very well with Michigan State in, in that run offense with Brian Lewerke trying to run the ball. I think they're going to do a good job against that. Michigan State has a really tough three-game schedule. They get Northwestern today. They have to uh, play Penn State. I think they have to go to Ohio State. So facing a really tough stretch and going on the road against the Wildcats, who are a very, very tough-minded defensive team. I would expect a low-scoring game, probably take the under in that one. But uh, Northwestern, to me, I think has the defensive fortune to get it done. You know, you had mentioned the, the tough road ahead for Michigan State, and Mark D'Antonio said they haven't played their best football yet, but given their schedule, even though they're 6-1, and one, what makes you think there's better days ahead for this team? <laughs> well, it's it's been a really tough road for them over the course of the season. They lost early on to... Notre Dame, they really shot themselves in the foot in that game, but clearly Notre Dame is just in another class. And then had a close win against Iowa. That Michigan game, I almost throw that one out. And that's not a you know, shot at Michigan State or anything. It's just five turnovers and monsoon conditions. 
is really not the norm. So throw that one out on the ropes against Indiana. Uh, they were uh, had to survive a, a comeback from from Minnesota. So just a, a lot that they've had to endure over the last four weeks. Certainly this team is better than last year because all those young guys that got playing time are, are back. They're a little bit older. They know how to handle those situations. But I agree with Antonio. Not playing their best football at the moment. I don't know that they're going to get through this next three weeks unscathed or anywhere close to it. But if they come out of the season, say, 7-5 or 8-4, and four, obviously still a mark of improvement for this program. I still have some questions long-term about whether D'Antonio can continue to replicate the success that he had just a few years ago. But take your victories one season at a time. Improve from last season. I think they're doing that. We take a closer look inside the Big 12 with Ben Kerchival of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Kerchival. With five teams in the top 25 this week, but just one in the top 10, is the Big 12 the best or the deepest conference in the country right now? They're definitely the deepest. Now, that round-robin schedule is always problematic. Oklahoma went undefeated through it last season, but they were the first team to do it since they went to that round-robin schedule. So that speaks to just how hard it is to get through this schedule unscathed. TCU has five road games this season. One of them is going to be against Iowa State today. So still a lot of challenges for that Horned Frogs team. So deep conference, absolutely. Will that keep them out of the playoff? I don't know. They're going to get the top two teams in the Big 12 championship game here in a couple of months. But I think right now you can talk about Oklahoma and TCU as two teams that have legitimate playoff aspirations. Saquon Barkley has a chance to cement or solidify his Heisman status as we come into the final month. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield is certainly still in the conversation. How much is Mayfield responsible for where Oklahoma is right now, though? He, he's very much responsible. Here was the report out of Oklahoma last week. This was from head coach Lincoln Riley. That Mayfield, who suffered that shoulder injury against Texas, he didn't practice last week. He literally got up out of bed and for, for, threw for 410 yards against Kansas State. I mean, that's how much of a baller this guy is. He puts the team on his shoulders, had the chance to talk to him this week. It's easy to see why his teammates absolutely love him. He's the ultimate gamer, but he's got great skill, too. He, he's able to extend the plays with his feet, but he's always looking downfield. I think he can make those throws that very few college quarterbacks can make. He's breaking in a new supporting cast this year. They're trying to find out who's going to be that number one running back for them. Is it Trey Sermon? Is it somebody else? Who's going to be that number one wide out to maybe take some pressure off of Mark Andrews at tight end? So while they're still finding those guys around him, they need an anchor. And Mayfield has been the anchor both as a playmaker and as an emotional leader for that offense. Mayfield's final game against his former school, which is also his head coach's alma mater, do they leave them with a parting gift today? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think Oklahoma wins this one pr pretty easily. Texas Tech certainly uh, has the offense, but they've been sliding in the wrong direction over the past couple of weeks. Uh, it looked like their defense had made some improvements, but they, they just did not have the gas against West Virginia. And then Iowa State really burned them at home. I think that was a tough hangover loss for them and, and getting outclassed by the Cyclones is, is not a great sign for them. So I think you expect the big numbers out of Mayfield and company today. Iowa State has had a great season, and even last year they played teams tough at Ames. How concerned should TCU be today coming in at 7-0? and Very concerned. Now, they've been very good on the road against the spread. And I think this was a touchdown game or so 
going into Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see if they, if they cover or not, or if they get upset, but Iowa State's going to be in for this game. And it's for a couple of reasons. One, they're five and two. It could be six and one, but if they get this win today, they've actually accomplished one of their goals coming into the season, which was get to a bowl game, get bowl eligible. And it seems like not all that long ago that their goals for the season were widely different. But if they go out and win that game today, Iowa State's probably got to be thinking to themselves, well, why not us? Why can't we get to the Big 12 championship game? you got to dream big if, if you're going to get through the rest of this season. So TCU has to be able to weather that storm, go out, run the ball effectively. They've been doing a much better job of that this season. They've taken the ball and responsibility out of Kenny Hill's hands, and his numbers from an efficiency standpoint have gone way up because of it. So keep running the ball. Play that great type of defense where you're getting pressure with your D-line, finishing on the back end with your defensive backs. I think they're absolutely good enough to come out of aims with a win, but you've got to be smart. You've got to be on your, your toes playing your best football because Iowa State is good, they're amped, and they will nip you in aims. Talk with Ben Kercheville as we take a closer look inside the Big 12. Ben, of course, from CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Kercheville. The Cyclones had to make an emergency change at quarterback, and Kyle Kempt has taken over with a plum so far, 3-0. and But now that there's some film on him, what will TCU and the great Gary Patterson defenses have in store for him today? I don't know that they're going to be rewriting the script a whole lot. I agree that this is a, a an addition by subtraction for Iowa State putting Kempt in at, at quarterback. But for TCU, they do a couple things really well. They get pressure with their defensive line, and it's, they're really great at finishing in the backfield. They're very, very tough, very physical up front. So I, I think they're just going to continue to do that. And then they just drop guys back into coverage, and they trust their defensive backs enough to go and make plays down the field. And, and Alan Lazard, who's Iowa State's great wide receiver, they're going to have to try to find ways to – get him open, scheme him open, because otherwise TCU is going to be able to bracket him. So I think just for them, it's, it's continuing to do those little things right from their base defense. And, you know, Gary Patterson is, is a good defensive line in that he knows how to take things away, but he's not going to just rewrite the book every single week. I, I think he has a veteran group that he trusts to just go out there. They play great, great team defense, and it shows. Kyle Kemp has seven touchdowns and only one interception in his first three games. He comes from a great program in Mount Union where his head coach went to school and he was a big recruit. Was all that he needed an opportunity? Uh, yeah, and you know sometimes it, it comes when you, you least expect. And Jacob Park was the guy at the beginning of the season but had that really tough game against Texas. Now he's taken that medical leave. And, and sometimes it's, it's not always about what happens in practice. It's what happens when the lights come on and, and there's your opportunity and Kent has, has really made the most of it. Like I said, it's been an addition by subtraction for him. And uh, that's, that's the funny thing about those playmakers is, is sometimes you think you've got the depth chart all figured out for one reason or another. Maybe it's how guys look in practice. Maybe it's, okay, guys transferred in, so we, we've got to give him a chance. But then you get through the course of the season, and sometimes just about how guys react to game situations. And, and Kent has been very good since that responsibility was put on his shoulders. We alluded to Texas Tech before. Uh, obviously, they're taking on Oklahoma today. The Red Raiders had a promising start, but have since dropped three of four. What's happened? I just think it's caught up to them a little bit. There's been some market correction for them. Offensively, obviously, they're still very good. But it, it, just asking them to, to go out and win with offense is, 
is even in the Big 12 is, is not always a recipe for success. At some point, you've got to be able to make a stop. So you go back to that game against West Virginia, and they were playing pretty well defensively, but then they ran out of gas. And in the Big 12, teams are running 80, sometimes 90 plays a game pretty routinely. And, and that's not to say you have to shut all of those offenses down, but you've got to be able to you know, have the depth to withstand blow after blow. You've got to be good in red zone situations. You've got to be good on third down. You've got to be good in turnover margin. You're not going to be limiting teams to an X number of yards, so you've got to get your victories in other spots. And even though I think David Gibbs overall has done a better job with the defense this year, I just don't know that they have the guys to, to go out and make those stops. And so when you're either playing from behind or always asking the offense to do a little bit too much, then you're just putting yourselves in bad situations. So this is a better Texas Tech team which is in, from last year, which is incredible because they don't have Pat Mahomes, who was a once-in-generation player. They'll get to a bowl game this year, but like I said, I, I think they're in the stretch of the season where they start off hot, there's been a little bit of market correction, and, and I think you're just kind of seeing them as a mid-tier Big 12 team. Finally, Tom Herman was able to succeed as an underdog at Houston, but at Texas so far in his first season, the Longhorns, haven't had similar success in close games. Why do you think that is? He's, well, it's, it's been a couple of reasons. One is they've had very young quarterback play with uh, Sam Ellinger and Shane Bichelle. Shane's going to get the start against Baylor because Sam Ellinger is dealing with those concussion symptoms that he's really, if we're being honest, been dealing with over the past couple of weeks ever since uh, Oklahoma. So part of it is, is youth and depth issues at quarterback Defensively, they've been much, much better. But on offense, they haven't been able to run the ball very well. And that's been a real Achilles heel for them. You go back to the Oklahoma State game, they were able to run the ball with any type of success. I think they would have won that game because their defense played more than, than well enough to win. That was a 13-10 to 10 overtime loss. Ellinger threw that overtime interception into the end zone, which was just a bad decision by him. So throughout the rest of the season, they got to try to find that running game. Now, thankfully, Baylor for them, is, is like dead last in the Big 12 against the run. Should, if you can't find Mojo there, then I, I don't know what to tell you for the rest of the season. So it, it'll be interesting. Herman obviously came in with a lot of promise, and they've been so close, but finishing has just been an issue for them. And it's really beyond the point now where you're, you're wondering why that is, because they have a veteran team overall, despite their youth at quarterback, and if they lose against Baylor, which, look, that's a very real possibility. Baylor's winless, but they're, they're better than that. Then you have to be wondering whether Texas is going to make a bowl game at all this season. And that would just be a stunning development for a guy who was brought in to basically put all the pieces together that, that Charlie Strong had laid out.